Two young men who had just graduated from Harvard were excited and talking about their future plans in medicine and law as they got into a taxi in downtown Boston. After hearing them for a couple of minutes, the cab driver asked, you men Harvard graduates? Yes, sir, they answered proudly, class of 2017. The cab driver turned and extended his hand to them over the seat and said, hey, glad to meet you, class of 2015. Today we're beginning a new series of messages from a book of the Bible where the main character found himself in the same situation as that cab driver. His life was not working out the way that he planned. For the next several weeks, we're going to explore a very powerful and very practical book of the Bible. It's found in the Old Testament, and it is the book of Daniel. Now, Daniel's a very important person in the Bible, and many people are familiar with one of the stories from his life, Daniel in the lion's den. And we're going to take a look at that story in the weeks to come, but today I want to do this. I want to begin by looking at the title of this series, and you can see it there, Courage Under Fire. Daniel displays remarkable courage in his life, and I believe that in order for us to live the kind of life that God calls us to, we too need to be people of courage. This past week, we've all probably heard stories about the shooting that took place in Las Vegas, stories of courage, where police officers and firefighters and first responders, ordinary people, risked their lives to save others. People who ran toward the danger, not away from it. And church, if we're going to live the life that God calls us to, we need courage. Courage to run toward the problems in our lives, not away from them. Courage to face the things in our hearts that need to change. The courage to stand up for what we believe. The courage not to compromise God's truth and yet at the same time reach out with love and compassion to other people. God calls us to a courageous life. And as we look at Daniel, we see there are two things that gives him remarkable courage, two things that he believes about God. First of all, that God is in charge of everything that happens in his life. And secondly, that God cares about every detail of his life. And when we have those same convictions that God is in charge and that God cares, we too can live with courage. And so this morning, as we begin looking at Daniel, I want to give you some historical background for the book. But let me say this, Pastor Phil was talking about two opportunities to learn that we have on Wednesday nights, and one is called the Old Testament Made New. And I'm really excited that, that John Levitt, one of our elders, is walking us through this, this beautiful part of the Bible, because for many people, the Old Testament is really hard to understand and confusing, and yet it is so important for us to know the stories. And here's why. There's a verse in the New Testament, this is in Romans chapter 15, verse 4, and it says this, Everything written in the past, and this is referring to stories in the Old Testament, everything written in the past was written to teach us so that through endurance and the encouragement of the scriptures, we might have hope. And so the stories in this book, especially these stories in the Old Testament, were given by God so that his people, like us, can live with hope. So I want to encourage you to just come and explore those stories together. And there's another study on Wednesday nights. It's led by Pastor Phil. It's called Christianity Explored. Now, this is an opportunity for you to come with your questions. You know, questions about God, about faith, about what it means to follow Jesus. Because here's what happens. When life doesn't work out the way that you had planned, what happens? We have questions. We have doubts. And this is a safe place to honestly explore those questions and those doubts. 
Because when life doesn't work out, that's where we find ourselves. That's what happened to Daniel. In fact, as you open the, the first chapter of this book, it takes place about 600 years before the birth of Christ. And here's what's happening. King Nebuchadnezzar from Babylon has invaded the southern part of Israel. It's the nation of Judah. And he's laid siege to the city of Jerusalem, and he conquers Jerusalem. And then he takes the people as captives all the way back to Babylon. Now, in chapter 1, we read about some of the young men who are taken as captives. It says they come from the royal family. They come from these influential families. And King Nebuchadnezzar has drafted them to serve in his palace. Now, I want you to try to picture Daniel's situation. He comes from a family with high social status. He's from among the best and the brightest of Israel. In fact, the Bible tells us that Daniel and his companions were extremely handsome. And his life back in Judah would have been fairly predictable. Go to school, fall in love, get married, buy a house with a two-donkey garage, get a prestigious job. You know, life was supposed to unfold a certain way. But that didn't happen. Instead, Daniel is kidnapped by a king that takes him to a foreign land. He was taken away from everything familiar. He lost his culture. He lost his relationships. He had to learn a new language. He would never go home. In fact, he would live and die in a place he never chose to be, Babylon. So what do you do when you end up in Babylon? Because sooner or later, you will. Babylon is that place you find yourself when life does not work out the way you had planned. When the career path you've chosen turns out to be a dead-end street. When the marriage you hoped would bring you joy brings you to your knees. When that little boy or little girl who used to call you mommy or daddy never calls at all. Babylon is that place where a friend, maybe somebody that you love deeply and trusted, wounds you. Maybe it's when the spouse you look forward to retiring to dies and leaves you all alone. Or maybe it's a look on the doctor's face when he calls you into his office to give you the lab results and says, I think you better sit down. What do you do when life doesn't work out the way you had planned? Well, the first thing we need to do is what Daniel did. Remember your true identity. Remember your true identity. One of the first things that happens to Daniel and his friends when they're deported to Babylon is that they are given new names. This is from verse 6 of chapter 1. It says this, Among these, and those are the people who were exiled, were some from Judah, Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. The chief official gave new names, gave them new names. To Daniel, the name Belteshazzar, to Hananiah, Shadrach, to Mishael, Meshach, and to Azariah, Abednego. Now, we might read through this portion of Daniel's story and, and not realize what a big deal this really is, this name change. Because all of these young men had a Hebrew name with a reference to God in it. Check this out. The syllable E-L is from Elohim, which is a name of God. And you see that in the name Daniel and Mishael. Or the syllable Yah from Yahweh is in the name Hananiah or Azariah. Their names, their Hebrew names, reminded them that they belonged to God. And the new name given to them by the chief official was a way of saying, look, you have a new name because you are now in a new country with a new king, with a new culture. From now on, Babylon will define your identity. 
And think about Daniel. His name means God is my judge. And then he's given a new name, Belteshazzar, which means Bel's prince. Bel was one of the Babylonian gods. You see, his whole life, every time Daniel heard his name, he was reminded, God is my judge. God will set things right. God will see that justice is done. His name had been a promise every time he heard it. But now they tell him, you are no longer Daniel. God will no longer be setting things right. You no longer belong to him. Babylon will now define who you are. What do you think of when you see this person? What one word comes to mind? Not exactly what I expected. <laughs> Happened in first service, too. I, I was thinking more of the one word, uh, it's an object in his hand. What word comes to mind? Okay, we're back on track. Back on the same page. Usually you would think of basketball when you see a picture of LeBron James. And for many professional athletes, the sport that they play defines them. I was reading the other day that one of the reasons professional athletes have such a hard time retiring is because they're afraid they're going to lose what? Their identity and our identity is such it's such a big deal and so the question is what determines your identity right here right now what really determines your identity because for many people especially men your job defines who you are I am a banker I am a doctor I am a sales representative I am a business owner so often our profession defines who we are or Maybe it's a relationship. This is true of many women. I am so-and-so's wife. I am Billy's mom. Those relationships give you a sense of identity. Sometimes it's your possessions. Sometimes it's your abilities. But here's the problem with all those things. You can lose them. And when you do, you can be very confused about who you are. And church, that's why the gospel, this good news about Jesus, is so critically important because the gospel gives us a new identity. And here's what I mean. If you're a Christian, there was this person that you were before you trusted Jesus, the old person. And then when you trust Jesus, when you surrender your life to him, you become a new person. And here's why that's so important. The Bible says that we come into this world with a heart problem. The problem is that God has told us how he wants us to live. He's given us the Ten Commandments, which essentially could be distilled into this. Love God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. And nobody does that perfectly, and the Bible calls it sin. And the Bible also tells us that our sin separates us from God because God is holy, and because God is just, he has to punish our sin, and that punishment is to die and to be separated from him for how long? Forever. And that really is some bad news, because we are helpless to rescue ourselves, but God, in his great love, this God who exists as three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, God the Father sends God the Son, Jesus, to earth, and Jesus does what we could never do. He lives a perfect life. And that uniquely qualifies him to do this, to die in our place so that we can be forgiven. And that's what happens on the cross. God's willing to put our sin on Jesus and punish him in our place. And Jesus dies. He dies the death that we deserve, but God raises him back to life. And Jesus offers us a new life. He says, look, just come to me and tell me that you understand, I'm a sinner, I need a savior, I believe you died for my sins and you came back to life. And when that happens, when you choose to follow Jesus, you are given a new record. When God looks at you this morning, if you're a Christian, when God looks at you, it's as if you never sinned. 
I mean, can you, can you just imagine what that's like to really believe that? To know that your past is completely settled. If you're a Christian, you have a new record, but it gets better. You also have a new identity. Because God has now adopted you into his family. You are God's son. You are God's daughter. And because you have a new record and because you have a new identity, listen carefully, you have a new potential. A completely new potential. Because now you're connected to Jesus. The Bible calls it being in Christ. We're, we're connected to Jesus who lives in us. And that means that we never face anything in life alone. And church, this is a huge deal. Jesus shapes our identity. And the reason that's so important is this. We live out of our identity. Every day that you get up, you make choices. Your identity, how you see yourself, deeply influences the choices that you make. Your identity deeply influences the goals that you set. It even influences the dreams that you have for yourself and even for your family. Because think about this. When you face a challenge in your life, how you respond to that challenge really depends on your identity, on how you see yourself. Because there are times when people say, well, this is too hard. I'm never going to make it. I can't survive this. I can't get through it. And when you see yourself in that light, what does it do? It makes you feel overwhelmed, sometimes paralyzed with fear and anxiety. But what if you looked at your situation, this challenge in your life, and you said this, I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Puedo hacer todas las cosas en Cristo que me fortalece, in Spanish. I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength because I'm connected to Jesus Christ. I can resist this temptation. I can fight this discouragement and this depression. I can battle against this addiction in my life because I'm connected to Jesus. Yeah, I, I, I found myself in a place I never thought I would be, but I can go on because Jesus lives in me. When my kids were, were small, there was a TV show that we watched as a family, and one of my kids just loved this show. It was her favorite television show at the time. Anybody remember this? Raise your hand if you remember Alf. Oh, wow, this is good. Okay, you know what his name stands for? Alien life form. Okay, and you, and you know, some of you know the story. He crashes his spaceship because he comes from a planet somewhere in the galaxy, and, and uh, anyway, he, he has this running commentary on humanity, and the family takes him in, but they're always being careful to keep Alf away from who? The cat, because... Alf eats cats for some crazy reason. And we would watch this show, and I actually have an Alf puppet. I didn't bring it this morning because I couldn't find it. But I, I thought, you know, this is one of the ways that we can remember our identity in Christ. We are not an alien life form, but think about those three letters. Accepted, loved, forgiven. Totally accepted, deeply loved, completely forgiven. If you're a Christian, that's who you are in Jesus Christ. So listen, when you find yourself in Babylon, when life is not working out the way you had planned, remember who you are in Jesus Christ. Remember your identity. And here's something else you can do. This is the second thing on your outline. Resolve to live by God's standards. Remember your true identity and resolve to live by God's standards. We live in a world where we are constantly challenged to compromise God's standards. And again, those standards are found in the Bible. The Ten Commandments, which tell us how to love God and how to love our neighbor. 
When Daniel was abducted and taken to Babylon, he was drafted by King Nebuchadnezzar. He was going to enter this three-year training program. And part of that training program was the fact that he was well cared for. In fact, Daniel and his friends would be eating the same food as the king and his royal family. Now, Daniel had to make a decision when it came to what he was going to eat. Now, look at this verse. It says, but Daniel resolved, and that is a really strong word. It talks about having a really strong conviction. Daniel resolved not to defile himself with a royal food and wine, and he asked the chief official for permission not to defile himself this way. Now, we really don't know for certain why Daniel is, is taking this stand. It's probably because he knows that the food he's being offered would violate the Jewish dietary law, the laws that God gave to the nation of Israel. He wants to trade in his pork chop for a veggie platter, essentially. But it also could be that this food has been sacrificed to idols. But whatever the specific reason is, we know this, that this position took enormous courage. And here's why. Because Daniel is dealing with King Nebuchadnezzar. Now, there was a, a pastor who was commenting on this section of Daniel, and he was talking about King Nebuchadnezzar, and he said, you know, there are leaders who have what you might call a hands-on or a hands-off management style. Nebuchadnezzar had a heads-off management style. If you oppose the king, you lost your head. And in fact, in the Bible, this is, again, a story in the Old Testament. This is in 2 Kings. There's a king named Zedekiah, and he rebels against Nebuchadnezzar, and Nebuchadnezzar captures him, and right in front of him, he kills all the king's sons and then has his eyes put out. I mean, this is a kind of cruel tyrant that Daniel is dealing with. But in dealing with a king, Daniel remembers something. He remembers his name. God is my judge. Nebuchadnezzar is not my judge. He remembers his name, and that gives him a deep, deep resolve not to compromise God's standards. Listen, when you live in Babylon, and the fact is we all do, you will be tempted to compromise God's standards. You know, maybe this week, You'll be tempted to compromise God's ethical standards in your, your financial or business affairs. Maybe you'll be tempted to compromise God's sexual standards for your life. Here's what I want you to see. Daniel decided ahead of time what he was going to do. He decided how he was going to deal with temptation, and that is so important for us. When you're out of town in that hotel room dealing with sexual temptation, decide ahead of time how you're going to deal with it. Or, or maybe in, in the business world, where ethical compromise is more and more the norm. Decide now that you will not compromise God's standard, even if it means closing the deal or advancing your career. And parents, let me say this. When Daniel is abducted from Babylon, he's a young man. And some Bible commentators believe that he was actually a teenager. Now, that's some pretty remarkable behavior, isn't it? To have that kind of courage, to have that kind of conviction. Every, every week here at our church, we are so thankful for the privilege that we have to work with children and teenagers. And our greatest hope and our greatest desire for them is that they'll be like Daniel. That they will grow up with biblical convictions, a biblical view of the world, of God, of other people. And they will make courageous decisions when they find themselves in Babylon. Because you see, Daniel's far from home. He's actually 
left everything familiar and yet he holds on to these biblical convictions. And I was thinking this week, I've had the privilege of working with our, our middle and high school students for, for some time. I've been on missions trips with them. I've, I've gotten to know them. And I really love them and care about them. And this fall, a number of them went off to college. And I thought, they're headed for Babylon. It's true, isn't it? A lot of us have been there. And there are so many temptations. When you're far from home, there are so many things that could cause you to compromise God's standards. And so, church, we need to pray for our students. And if you're a mom or a dad today, I want to encourage you. Pray for your son. Pray for your daughter to be a person of courage and conviction. And listen, while your kids are still at home, talk to them about your convictions. Talk to them about your faith. Talk to them about God and about Jesus. Because that conversation shapes their hearts. So what's the first thing we can do when we find ourselves in Babylon, that place we didn't plan on being? What's the first thing? You can look at your notes. What is it? Tell me. Remember your true identity. What's the second thing? Resolve to live by God's standards. And here's the third thing. Rely on God to work in your situation. Rely on God to work in your situation. I was reading this week about people who are going through really um, difficult times, people that are really struggling with life, and the research said this. What causes people to give up when life is really hard is not how hard their problem is. It's not the pressure. It's not the pain. It's not the suffering. It's this. Believing that their suffering has no meaning or purpose. I was thinking about Daniel. What is it that gives him the ability to keep on going when his life is upside down? And here's the reality. Daniel had discovered something very valuable, something he could not have discovered if he had lived his whole life in Israel as he had planned. He discovered that there's somebody at work in Babylon. There's a very important character in the story. It's not Daniel, it's not his friends, it's not Nebuchadnezzar. You might say this character is in fact the hero of the story. Take a look at these verses. It says, and the Lord, the Lord delivered Jehoiakim, king of Judah, into his hand. And this next verse, now God, God had caused the official to show favor and sympathy to Daniel. And this verse, to these four young men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. Who's at work in these situations? Tell me, church, who's at work in these situations? God's at work. Who's at work in your situation? You bet he is. You see, when Nebuchadnezzar conquered the city of Jerusalem, when, when they tore away all the contents of the temple, when the best and the brightest were carried away into captivity, God was not asleep and God was not on vacation. And God had not forgotten his promises to his people. Through all of these situations, God was at work. And listen, when you really believe that, it changes everything. There's a man, his name is Norm Cousins, and he said this, Nobody knows enough to be pessimistic. Think about that. We have no idea sometimes what God is up to. And Chuck Colson said this one time. He said, despair is a sin because it denies the sovereignty of God. God is at work. And listen, when you find yourself in Babylon, when you find yourself in a situation where you'd never planned to be there, you need to ask yourself this question. Am I relying on God to work in this situation or, 
Or am I mainly relying on myself, my abilities, my resources? Because I will tell you this, if you rely on yourself, you'll get what you can do. If you rely on other people, you get what other people can do. If you rely on money or influence, you get what money and influence can do. But if you rely on Almighty God, what do you get? You get what Almighty God can do. Let me close with this story. While walking through the forest one day, a man found a young eagle who had fallen out of its nest. He took it home and put it in his barnyard where it soon learned to eat and to behave like the other chickens who lived there. One day a man passed by the farm and asked why it was that the king of all the birds should be confined to live in the barnyard with the chickens. The farmer replied that since he had given it chicken feed and trained it to be a chicken, it had never learned to fly. And since it now behaved like a chicken, he no longer thought of himself as an eagle. Still, it has a heart of an eagle, replied the man, and can surely be taught to fly. He lifted the eagle toward the sky and said, stretch out your wings and fly. The eagle, however, was confused. He didn't know who he was. And seeing the chickens eating their food, he jumped down to be with them again. The man took the bird to the roof of the house and urged him again, saying, You are an eagle. Stretch out your wings and fly. But the eagle was afraid and jumped down once again for his chicken food. Finally, the man took the eagle out of the barnyard to a high mountain. There, he held the king of the birds high above him and encouraged him again, saying, You are an eagle. You belong to the sky. Stretch out your wings and fly. The eagle looked around, then back toward the barnyard, and finally up at the sky. It was then that he saw the most majestic creature he had ever seen, an adult eagle in full flight. And something stirred in the heart of this young bird. His wings began to tremble as he stretched them to their full length, and with one triumphant cry, he soared away into the heavens. Friends, God created you and me to be eagles. He created us to soar above the circumstances of our lives and to experience the freedom that comes from trusting him. This is what the Bible says. Those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. Christian, Listen up. You have a new record. You have a new identity. You have a new potential. And God wants you to live like it. And if you've never trusted Jesus Christ before, I pray today that you would make the most courageous decision of your life to surrender yourself to Jesus. Because he will not only give you a new potential, he will give you a new life.